This morning's first reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 12 of the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. God's covenant with Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kesinites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. 
This morning's second reading is taken from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. It can be found on page 186 of the New Testament section of the Bible. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sylvia, thank you very much indeed, especially with those ten ites at the end. You did very, very well indeed. Thank you. Let's pray together as we look at God's word. Scripture says, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. And so, our Heavenly Father, grant us that gift of faith, growing faith, new faith, persistent faith, as we learn together in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a question. How is your faith? How would you rate it from 0 to 10? If, if 0 was here, you're not going to have to come up to the front, but if 0 was here, no faith, not sure about God, new to church, 0. If 10 was here, flying high, the best you've ever been. Or if you're in the middle, highs and lows with faith, where, where would you put yourself today and why? A moment to think about that. If I was asked the question at different times of life, at, at 16 I'd, I'd have been here, probably at 17 I was at 10, to be honest back at 21 I was here, maybe, maybe minus, I'd turned my back completely on God, I was going away from him again, and then kindly I think my 20s sort of up, and then some big downs actually, sort of early 30s, I'm showing my age now, and where would I be? Maybe 7, maybe 7, but where would you be? And if you think about faith, who would be your greatest example of faith that you know of or think of? Would it be a parent, a loved one, a godparent who loved and prayed for you? Would it be a friend at university who helped you in your own faith? Would it be someone nowadays who's been going alongside you? Who's your example of faith? Would it be the great and the good? Maybe you came to know Jesus in the great Billy Graham missions that came to Sheffield, or Mother Teresa. Well, let me tell you about one of God's great heroes of faith. He lied about who his wife was to try and protect himself because he thought he would die. When God told him to go somewhere, he did go, but he took some family members along with him, which God clearly said, don't do. And when God first speaks to this great hero of faith, he doesn't believe. Now, some of you may know who I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about the person we just had the reading about, Abraham. Abraham, as we know him. 
And this man is held up in the Bible as God's great hero of faith. If you want an example of faith, here's the person. And in these five weeks, last week we began, we're looking at this series in September, beginning of October, The Life of Faith. And we're looking at Abraham. Abraham. And today, the example of faith. But it's remarkable that the man, the New Testament mentions 74 times... There's only one person mentioned more times in the New Testament than Abraham from the Old Testament. The man who is celebrated most of all as an example of faith is at times disobedient, is at times distrusting. Come back next week when we hear from Michael Gordon. He completely takes matters into his own hands in the next chapter and does what he thinks is best. And in our chapter today, his first words to the living God... The first time we hear Abraham talk to God, he basically says to God, I don't believe. I don't believe what you're going to say. But this one is is the example. This one is held up for people like you and I who are also disobedient, who also take things into our own hands sometimes because we don't trust God, who sometimes, whether we're honest with God like Abraham or not, we, we don't quite trust or we find it hard to trust or we're not sure what to say. This is the one who is the example for us. So come with me, if you can, to Genesis chapter 15, page 12. See what happens. The context, we're around BC 2000. We don't know. So in other words, 4,000 years ago, the reading showed us it's a very different age. It's a very different time. Very different customs. 2,000 years before Jesus, 4,000 years ago, Abraham is somewhere between of 75. That's where he was in chapter 12. We heard about that last week, the call of Abraham. In chapter 16, next week, we'll know he's 85. So he's an old man, perhaps slightly younger in those terms, in those days. But he's an old man, and he's lived a full life. And he's scared because basically what's just happened, a big battle, his nephew just about got rescued, but the nations around him have been fighting against Abraham and his family. And so God says, verse 1, chapter 15, page 12, after these things... The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. God says to Abraham, the thing that he commands people in the Bible the most to ever believe. Do you know what that is? 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. And that's his words here to Abraham. But Abraham says, verse 2, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. Now, if you know the story of Abraham, you know in chapter 12, God has promised this one man, a great nation, to be a blessing to the whole world, to have a land that will be his and his offsprings forever. And yet Abraham says, God, you, you haven't done it. You haven't given me the child that you promised. And, and actually, the only person who could possibly help me is this servant, this slave called Eliezer. Abraham calls God Lord God, but his first words are doubt. Skepticism, cynicism. God, you haven't done it. You haven't done it. And there's a brilliant 
thing for us immediately as we think about the example of faith, that faith and doubt, faith and questions, faith and honesty go together. They must go together. That's what our church family is meant to be, a place where actually all people are welcome and whether you feel 10 out of 10 for faith or naught out of 10 for faith, your questions and your doubts are still able to be asked of God and therefore with each other. But God doesn't leave Abraham to his doubts. He responds. Do you hear what God says? Verse 4. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. In other words, one from you, Abraham. He's, he's 80. Sarai, his wife, were told at the very beginning of the story, is barren. She can't have children. And Abraham has doubted and God says, it will happen. And then God has more to say. Did you see what happens? God takes Abraham outside. My wife's a science teacher and sometimes her experiments involve going outside the classroom into nature. That's what God does, the great teacher. And he says to Abraham, in the night sky, clear in the ancient Near East, look up to the stars. Look up. Don't look down to your circumstances. Don't look within. That's not, not what faith is. Faith isn't looking within. It's not looking around. It's looking up. And God asks him to do a math sum. Count the stars. Count them. Everyone. I don't know where you've seen the stars most brilliantly and brightly in the whole world. I can think of the south of France. I can think of Kenya on safari. I can think of Stanage Edge camping out many years ago. But you just see them more and more and more. The more you look, the more you see. The more that you look, the more you see. And God says, so shall your offspring be. To a man who it's impossible for that to happen, surely. To the ma a man who doubts. To a man who isn't good. To a man who hasn't worked his way to get there. God makes this remarkable Seemingly ridiculous promise. And Abraham, verse 6, believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham, in the New Testament, this verse is the great verse. It's used in Paul's letter to the Romans, it's used, as we heard in Paul's letter to Galatians, of the example of faith. Abraham believes God. In other words, he takes God at his word and trusts. We, we talk about trust and faith in normal life. I remember when I used to work with university students. At that time, Nick Clegg had made a lot of promises about student loans and things like that. And the papers were full of the headlines. Understandable, students had lost faith in Nick Clegg. I said to those who were here last night, I'm a fan of the rugby. I, I hear England won last night. I watched seven minutes this morning. But in the week, what have people been saying? Faith in the England rugby team has been tested. It's been tried. Actually, people are losing faith. And faith is always about trust, isn't it? Faith in people. Think about those that you trust very, very dearly. Think about those that you've actually lost trust in. 
It can come and go, can't it? People disappoint us, upset us, let us down. Other people prove themselves over time. Other people are surprises. Abraham trusts God. That's what faith is. It's not looking inside. It's not looking around us. It's looking up and listening to the promises of God and saying, I believe. Rosie, with the children today, is making little biscuits and they'll have a little jelly baby, they stick on it, and then stars around it. And they'll be thinking about Abraham, looking at the stars, believing, and thinking, what does that mean for us? Ask them afterwards what they learn. Look at their biscuits. Try not to steal it from them. But what about you? When it comes to the promises of God, when it comes to what God says for you, how do you find it, trusting him? Abraham believed. That's all he did. He didn't try to earn his way to God and being right with him. He didn't wait till he got his life sorted and it wasn't messy and then he was right with God. Abraham believed. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And what we want to do over the the five weeks in the story of Abraham is give us a chance to think about a question. It might be that we take it home and chat with our kids. It might be we talk about it over coffee. Today, I thought, we'll chat about it now. So you've heard a bit from me. Here's the question on the screen to chat about, if you'd like, if you're comfortable, if you're happy to chat with those around you. And if not, just think about it on your own. That's fine. But here's the question. Faith is trusting in God's promises for us. That's what Abraham does. And so here's the question. How can we grow in trusting God? And the same question they're thinking about and talking about with Rosie. So over to you. Three or four minutes. How can we grow in trusting God? Over to you. Go for it. So does anyone want to shout out? Feel free. It would be lovely to hear from a few. What, what do you do? How can you? How would you like to grow in your faith? What, what can you do? How can we grow in trusting God? Anyone want to shout out an answer? Go for it. Yeah, so seeing prayers answered, writing them down, remember them, looking back. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Indra. Looking back. Not just looking up, looking back. What God's brought you through, even the hard, the messy times. Yeah, thank you. Others? Put your worries down and don't pick them up again. Thank you, Elaine. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure there's lots. Do ask the children when they come back, how are they going to grow in their trusting of God? Interestingly, this verse, verse 6, Abraham believed God. As I say, this is used by Paul. And it's used by Paul to say, actually, that's what all of we do when we hear that Jesus has died for us and rose again. The Apostle Paul says, then when we believe, it's counted to us. It's credited to us. It's reckoned to us. It's thought from God's perspective that we're right with him. And whether you've known about that for years or it's the first time, that is the most amazing thing in the whole world. That God doesn't deal with us and relate to us based on how we do or how we are but on simply saying yes I believe I trust and in the rest of the chapter I wonder if you noticed Abraham is not plain sailing so that's happened verse 6 great highlight the great example of faith the whole Bible knows verse 7 then the Lord says I am the Lord who brought you up from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess And you think, surely now Abraham will be believing. All fine, all good, yes, Lord. What does he say? Verse 8. But he said, O Lord God, 
how am I to know that I shall possess it? He's still not sure. Yes, Lord God, he believes, but he's not sure. He's got doubts. How can I be sure? And then there's this weird and wonderful episode. I mean, I don't know if you could imagine it. God says to him, what? Go and bring me a heifer three years old, female a goat three years old, ram three years old, turtle dove, young pigeon. And we're thinking, what? But Abraham knows what to do because God tells him to do that and he doesn't just bring them, he cuts them up. I, mean, I don't know if we've got any butchers here, but uh, blood's, you know, I, I can't handle it. And the blood is there and they're all laid out. I was checking with Rosie this week. Do you know the game lines when you're little kids and you have legs in between then you run round? Well, this is sort of ancient Near East lines. The, the bodies are all on the floor. And what's going on? Abraham knew what was going on. We don't. It's strange to us. When we make a, an agreement, a promise, what do we do? The weddings happen here. We, we write the name. We sign it. You get a mortgage. You write your name. You sign it. That's what we do. We put our name in ink. And that means I promise. I give you my word. It will happen. I won't break it. Then what did they do? They didn't write it in pen, they wrote it in blood and they put these animals on the floor and then what would happen is both sides of the the party, both sides of the agreement would walk through the animals there's the example of the Lions game strange blood on your feet to say this to say that if I break the covenant if I break this agreement may what's happened to these animals happen to me And so Abraham says to God, how can I be sure? How can I really trust you? How can I know? And God puts these animals here. And then it gets stranger. A deep, dark judgment, trouble falls upon Abraham. He falls asleep. And then, by verse 17, the sun's gone down. It's dark. A smoking firepot and flaming torch pass between these pieces. Picture the darkness. Picture the darkness of Abraham, confused and clouded, asleep. And then realize what happens. Who does the smoking pot represent? Who does the flaming torch represent? Well, think of Sinai. Think of the mountain where God descended with fire and light. And then realize, with all these strange carcasses, Who passes through? Who goes through the animals? God. Only God, not Abraham. Now what is going on? At the end of the chapter it says the Lord makes a covenant. What is happening here? Well God is saying, if this promise I make with you, about giving you a child and blessing the whole world, if this promise I make to you of a land forever, if it doesn't come true, may I be broken in pieces like the animals. May it happen to me as it happened to the animals. And you realize Abraham doesn't pass through. It's all dependent on God. And God stakes his life on it. And so for us, when we come back to our own lives and our own faith and journey and the ups and downs and where we are today, how can we know that the promises of God will prove true. Well, because there was a day when God didn't come down in fire and with a torch and walk through the animals, there was a day when God came down 
into our messy, broken world. There was a day when darkness descended on the world. And there was a day when God became broken for the world. This chapter is one of the most staggering pictures of what Jesus Christ has done in the whole Bible. The God who cannot die, dies. The God who cannot suffer, suffers. The one who is life itself breaks for us. And if we want to follow in the faith of Abraham and continue in the faith, in the highs and lows, the fight of faith is believing that God is for us. In the highs, in the lows. And we know God is for us because he has given himself for us. He binded himself to us in that promise and he has broken himself for us. And so in the highs and lows of faith, as we follow Abraham, let us do so knowing that God has given everything for us. We mess up. We get it wrong. We go forward, we go backwards. That's what Abraham will do next week. But God is the faithful one who calls us, who calls us to follow, who calls us to trust, who calls us not to look around or within but to look up. And so may God give us grace to do that and to follow. A moment to be quiet and then I'll pray. Faith comes from hearing. Heavenly Father, may you grant us that gift of faith, growing faith, new faith, persistent faith. Thank you that you know us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you were broken for us. In Jesus' name, who loved us and died for us. Amen.